You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. I was invited to lecture, teach, and work with a group of coaches and athletes in New Zealand. I'd never been before, and I was very excited about this trip for a number of reasons. I'd read The Lord of the Rings as a kid, and then again, just before the movie series was launched, I loved the books and wanted to reread them before the movies rolled out. I liked the movies. I thought they were a great twist on the books, and being filmed mostly in New Zealand, I was fired up to possibly check out some of the movie locations. I was also really looking forward to working with the coaches and the athletes there and sharing knowledge on athlete development and player performance. But to be honest with you, I was most excited about a possible visit with the All Blacks. The All Blacks are New Zealand's national rugby union team and they're touted as one of the most successful sporting organizations in the history of all of sport. Famous for their pre-match haka dance ritual, which is performed to challenge opponents before matches, it is a spectacle. It represents respect for the sport, the opponent, and if you've ever had a chance to watch it, it's intimidating. You can check it out with a simple internet search. It's worth the watch. But there's one thing above all else that the All Blacks are famous for. Their culture. And this is the main reason I wanted to get a glimpse of the All Blacks to see firsthand how they operate. And I was lucky enough to do just that. I was able to spend some time with the All Blacks while I was in New Zealand. They were not full squad at the time, but their junior team and a number of current All Blacks were there. And there was a surprising number of former players at the facility as well. The one thing that was clear to me was the respect and admiration for those former players. I sat in on a practice, toured the training facility and spoke with the coaches and players and all of the All Black alumni who openly shared stories about the great matches and they answered my questions about the culture that makes this organization so special. It was awesome. Rugby. It is a great sport. And as of this recording, the 2023 Rugby World Cup is currently well underway in France and It's a big deal. The World Cup of Rugby is regarded as the third biggest sporting event behind the FIFA World Cup and the Olympics, with millions of fans attending the games live and billions of views on social media and on television. If you listen to the show, you know that I'm a firm believer of looking to the pros and the best in sport to learn and see what to do and also what not to do at times, Houston Astros. And I've been lucky enough to work at the highest levels of sport, and I've been part of that world where the number one currency is winning. And it's a tough, tough world to survive in. You have to leave no stone unturned and tap into every ounce of potential. And more times than not, that potential, whether it be a single athlete, a team, or an entire organization, That potential can be boosted or brought down by a very special and powerful thing called culture. What better place to look for culture than within one of the most successful sporting organizations in the history of sport, the All Blacks. So in honor of the World Cup of Rugby, the game of rugby and the All Blacks, we return to one of the top crush interviews ever recorded. 
our conversation with James Kerr, author of the Crush Must Read book, Legacy, What the All Blacks Can Teach Us About the Business of Life. Let's have a listen. Mr. James Kerr, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's a real pleasure, Jeff. It's great to be here. Well, um, let's start with this. Uh, I'd like to sort of kick off with your background and your experiences in the business world. And I want to talk a bit about your company, Fable. You're a co-founder of a company called Fable. I really, really like the whole concept of Fable and what you guys are all about. But James, what led you down that path uh, to get to the point where you became this um, business advisor and with this very cool twist on, on development and organizational performance? Yeah, great, great. Thanks, thanks for the question. Um, you know, I'm a writer at heart, a word, a word man, a storyteller, and I, I, I began in advertising actually uh, as a copywriter and then a creative director. And, and it, more and more, I was working with the leadership of teams, uh, a, a leadership teams of, of, of large organisations, and looking at, you know, how do you create effective cultures, uh, you know, high performance cultures within organisations certainly within the leadership teams, the, the C-suite, if you like, uh, but also, you know, within the teams of teams within organizations. And, and, and how do you create that culture? And, uh, with, with, with my partner, Roger Hart, we put together an organization called Fable, and, and we look at large-scale change programs um, through the prism of storytelling. Um, you know, stories, you know, are the way we learn. You know, anyone who's got children has seen them watch the same story over and over and over and over again. And, and we took that, took that uh, approach, um, you know, the idea that stories, you know, a good story changes things, you know, a great story changes everything. Uh, and, and we applied it to, to defining and designing and delivering culture change within organizations in terms of defining it around you know, who's the hero of your story? What's their mission? What's the holy grail, if you like? What are the values? Who are your allies? All of those kind of ways of looking at uh, looking at a, a process and then designing it. You know, what is the story? What is the core story, that, that ethos at the heart of this organization? And then how do we deliver it by crackingly good stories, uh, whether that's viral, whether it's posters, whether that's um, presentations. And so we find that that, that story... Um, framework, if you like, uh, uh, really engages people because it's, it's at the core of how human beings connect and learn and communicate uh, and so on. So it's, it's, it's been very successful uh, for us and very powerful, we think, for our clients and we hope for our clients and, and the evidence would seem to back it up. No, I really like it, James. You know, when you look back at the history of mankind, I think communication started with storytelling. If we go back to even some of the paintings we see on the cave walls, to the hieroglyphics, to some of the early ancient writings that we see. And on the Fable website, you have fable, and then you have narrative, and then you have folklore. And and I really like this concept. It just seems, James, it just seems really right in today's fast-paced, high-tech world. Um, This just seems so deeply fundamental and right um i'm really intrigued by it and 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 its effectiveness as well yeah yeah you know you know if if you think about it you know we're all still sort of sitting around the campfire swapping stories you know we read newspapers for the stories we gossip for the stories we go to the movie for the stories even sport uh really is predicated on the idea of what an extraordinary story you know i think of the 
the Patriots in their final quarter in that extraordinary turnaround they pulled a few years ago. Um, you know, the, the the thing they were talking to each other about in the huddle was, you know, this will make a great story, a damn fine story, being able to turn it around. And so they're incredibly motivating, and it's a way that we're able to frame ourselves in terms of our relationships with, with others. You know, what's the story of our life? You asked me what the, what the story is that uh, took me to fable, if you like. So it, it's kind of the web and the weft of how human beings connect and communicate. And that idea of folklore is... There are many different ways to, to tell a story. There's, there's the spoken word, there's the written word, there's the visual, there's, there's ritual. Um, you know, the All Blacks I've obviously written around have, uh, about have the, have the haka, which is kind of a form of compressed story, an embodiment of, of what they stand for. Uh, there are so many different ways of, of, of telling stories and of capturing that each of them could become an embodiment uh, of, of your core, core culture, uh, of of the way we do things around here, of our standards and expectations, of of our commitment to one another, and so on. So, so um, you know, it's a you know, it's a lot of fun, uh, and and it also gets a lot of I so hate the word, but a lot of traction uh, because stories stick. Yep, I really like it. We're talking with James Kerr, the uh, co-founding or founding partner at Fable. The website is fablepartners.com. And of course, the author of the crush favorite book, uh, Legacy, what the all blacks can teach us about the business of life. Um, So let's go there, James, because uh, you are one heck of a storyteller. Uh, Legacy is one of my all-time favorite books. Uh, Such great information in there. But it is, as you mentioned, one hell of a story. And um, I really maybe want to start here. I know you've had some background in the military with the and the Tier 1 Special Forces and also in sports team. But but what led you to the All Blacks and to this great, great project that turned out to be Legacy? Well, uh, well first, thank you. For, thank you for, for your words. Um, what led me to it, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Kiwi. I'm a New Zealander, though I've lived in London for in the United Kingdom. I'm currently living in Bali, finishing another book, but, but I live in the United Kingdom, really. And... So I've been away from home for a long time, but 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 every New Zealander grows up with the All Blacks. It's very central to their sense of identity and self, and and there's great pride in this extraordinary team that really proves to this, you know, small island nation on the other side of the world, effectively of four million or so people, that the Kiwis can can compete and win and keep on winning with the best in the world, you know, all around the world, and and that's tremendously, it's a tremendously powerful. Um, uh, kind of cultural story, I guess, um, and and manifestation. And so, you know, so I, I was a fan, and uh, I'd I'd worked with and written about sports teams in the past. I'd, I've I've done a book, for instance, on the Australian Rugby League team, another incredibly successful team, the Kangaroos. And I wanted to apply that to the to uh, to my team, uh, if you like. Um, which helps, of course, as the All Blacks are extraordinarily successful. They're arguably, almost inarguably, the most dominant team in their sport in human history. They've gone, they've competed for 125 years on the world stage, and they've won just around about 80% of all encounters. You know, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary statistic. They've only lost at home, I think it's now 40 times. Um, they won three World Cups. They currently hold all the silverware it's possible to own in their sport. And so... What I was interested in doing is going, was, was asking the kind of questions, you know, how do they do it? Um, and, and what can we learn about, you know, leading a, a team, leading a business? And in many ways, 
leading a life. Um, there are some fantastic kind of life lessons. You know, it's, it's what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life and about our decisions and our and literally leading a life. It's a leadership book, but about leading a life. So, so it was a mixture of being a New Zealander, loving the All Blacks, being a kind of super fan, managing to gain some access, and putting together those two worlds, the worlds that I knew from, uh, from, from the worlds of business and other sporting teams, with the All Blacks as a fantastic case study of, of not just success, but of sustainable success. And I was interested in, in, you know, many teams are on that kind of alpha curve. They win one season, they go down the next. But, but what sets the teams apart that are able to do it, you know, game after game, week after week, season after season, decade after decade? And, and that's really what I wanted to to look at and, and, and write about. What an absolute dream for a young Kiwi. Five weeks with the All Blacks on their road to the World Cup, and it turned out to be just a fabulous experience for you and a great book for us. Um, James, one of the things I think uh, if people read the book, people who have read the book, one of the things that are just a constant throughout through the ups and downs of the All Blacks history is this whole idea of character. And one of the great stories in there, uh, sort of a, a spoiler alert for everybody, I've, I've got to ask you a few questions about the book. But I really love the concept of the sock story, putting on the socks. What an incredible lesson uh, that was. It, it really struck me uh, as, as a very important part of that culture. Well, and, and that, 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 that story really came from, from um, John Wooden, in fact, the UCLA, UCLA Bruins coach uh, in the 60s. The, you know, one of the most extraordinary and influential coaches, I would say, you know, in world sport. And he would... Uh, he would in, in his in his first session. Um, he would get the players together, and they would spend an hour or so, or longer, just learning how to put on socks. And that uh, that devotion to the basics, the humility that it takes to come down and think that you know no job is is too small, um, is an incredibly powerful, powerful story. Well, you know, within the All Blacks environment, um, the story I think that's become famous is the sweeping the shed story exactly. you know after after every game the all backs would tidy up after themselves they would sweep the sheds and you know you have to remember they were you know they just played in front of huge crowds there were helicopters overhead trying to kind of capture footage of them leaving the the stadium kids all over the world dreaming of all black glory and but the all blacks themselves would take the time to grab long-handled brooms and sweep all of that mud and blood and strapping into corners and, and leave the place, you know, pristine. And and really that's about having the humility to learn, I think. It's about never getting ahead of yourself. There's a phrase within the team, you know, you perform like you're number one, but prepare like you're number two. Um, never get ahead of yourself. Um, there's another story that the great Dan Carter told. told um, I, I had the privilege of sharing a stage with him. Dan Carter is the, you know, in, in American Board would be the great quarterback, you know, he's the, the, the fly half, the first 5'8". Um, and he, he, he said he, he won World Player of the Year a couple of times in a row, I believe. And one of the figures, the, the older figures from, the, from New Zealand rugby would come down to the training ground and come up to him and just kick at his feet. And Dan was only 22, 23 at the time, so he didn't want to kind of answer the boss back. So he, he put up with it for a while and, you know, the boss came and kicked his feet for a bit and and he just ignored it. And on, on about the third time, he said, oh, come on, mate, what, what are you doing? You know, why are you kicking my feet? And, and his boss said, I just want to make sure your feet are still on the ground. <laughs> and it's that idea, that kind of top-to-bottom humility of staying grounded, of 
not getting ahead of yourself just because you've you've, you've made it doesn't mean you'll make it the next day. Just because you're getting, you know, in sport, many people are getting a lot of money, um, a lot of privileges, you know, a lot of uh, uh, fame. You know, there's nightclubs, there's 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 everything that goes with all of that. Um, and of course, that's you know, entitlement is the enemy of high performance, really. So, keeping your feet on the ground, staying humble, staying hungry becomes one of those kind of key factors, one of the killer apps, if you like, in creating that culture of sustained success. So, you know, put on your socks, you know, sweep the sheds, do the basics. Uh, Joe Montana, I know, uh, used to go and do basic plays at the beginning of every training session. Um, Vince Lombardi uh, used to go, uh, his first session in a training practice was, gentlemen, this is a pigskin, this is a football. Um, coming back to the basics, um, focusing on the humble craft is, I think, the first building block in creating that sustainable success. Oh, great stuff. We're talking with James Kerr, the author of the Crush Must Read favorite book, Legacy, What the All Blacks Can Teach Us About the Business of Life. Um, James, John Wooden said, and you have this in the book, um, winning takes talent to repeat takes character. And character is one of those fundamental things we see in your time with the All Blacks. Simple, powerful sayings like leave the jersey in a better place gives me goosebumps. And Brian Locker's uh, six words, better people make better All Blacks. Just powerful, powerful words. Yeah. Um, the better people make better All Blacks was really the... In 2004, the team faced um, a turning point. Uh, I, I think the culture wasn't in a healthy place. It was sort of dominated by a, a, a few strong characters. Uh, and worst of all, losing. And they were losing on the field, largely, I think, because they were losing it off the field. And the new management group, coaching group... Um, decided they need to, you know, how I describe it, kind of reboot the All Blacks culture. And they did it around this uh, great phrase, better people make better All Blacks. And, you know, better All Blacks, that's the day job. That's, that's you know, catch pass, that's, that's power pace and position. It's, it's all of that rugby stuff. But the, the real focus became about the better people. It's about how do you create character? How do you, how do you create leadership at every level? Um, what, what, what's called technically, I guess, a distributed leadership model, a CEO in every position. And I think, you know, that was the, the real shift uh, for, for, for that particular team at that particular time was, was that empowerment uh, of everybody and that focus on the leadership potential about uh, a, a leadership potential of everyone because you get ownership and contribution and discretionary effort and, um, and responsibility. And really that comes down to the development of character. And, you know, one of the interesting things I found out is that, you know, you can't, Ethos, uh, which we talk about as sort of culture, it really is the ancient Greek word for character, mm-hmm. the characteristic, the characteristic spirit of a team, the character of a human being, and our our ethos is incredibly important. The ancient Greeks defined ethos in a really interesting way. Um, it was, you know, now we we define character as kind of our attributes, um, our, our our values expressed, and so on. But but the Greeks saw that as just one side of a two-sided coin. On one side of the coin, there's character, our, our attributes, who we are, what we stand for, and so on. But the other side of the coin was character like a, like a typewriter character. It kind of makes an impact. It leaves a mark. And that relationship between you know, the story we tell ourselves, who we are, and the story that we, the impact that we make out on the world is, is, is correlated, is, is related. And so by working on our own ethos, 
our own character, we're able to help define our success in the world. And I, I think that was something the All Blacks did brilliantly, um, uh, and and it and it and it has made an extraordinary difference within that environment. But it, it's not just the All Blacks that look at that. You know, the the, the U.S. Navy SEALs, for instance, talk talk about a whole man policy. You know, rather than just be good at at you know kicking down doors. Um, it's incredibly important for 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 those um, you know elite actors, if you like, um, those those tactical athletes, to me to be able to make great decisions in every part of their life. Because you know we spend most of our time not doing the thing that we do, and so our behaviour, the decisions that we make, all of all of those um, small decisions lead to. Uh, to the kind of decisions that we make under pressure and and when things are difficult, so that character in all and you know in business, you know we're in a we're in a time of great change of great flux. There's plenty of corruption. There's plenty of things that you know you only need to look at at, at some of the scandals around Facebook or around taxation or the Enrons of this world uh, to realise that uh, to really create sustainable success. And to remove reputation risk and to create cohesion and coherence within any organization, um, focusing on the individual character and the collective character is incredibly important, incredibly powerful for sustained success. There you go. So much to take away from our conversation with James there. What a great gig to be following the All Blacks as they prepare for the World Cup, especially if you're a fan of the game of rugby. Leave alone a fan of the All Blacks. An absolute incredible experience James had, and I'm so glad he was able to share it the way he did. The book is an incredible read that I feel all sport leaders should take time to not just read, but study. Culture is all powerful and there are many stories driven by this concept of culture and performance and not just in sport, but in business and in life in general. Your personal culture, your family culture, your school, your team, your workplace culture, it influences and shapes who you are and how you operate. And if you're a leader, that culture and what it represents, what it looks like and what it feels like starts with you and it ends with everybody who's involved. There was a great quote I read once in the Harvard Business Review. It said, culture trumps strategy every time. I have it pinned on the corkboard over my desk. I see it every single day. It's become an integral part of how I think about sport, athlete and player development, performance and achieving in general. Culture trumps strategy is the mindset that just might take you to a place you never dreamed of going. When you're thinking like an athlete, I'm Jeff Kershell. If you liked our conversation with James, you might also like our incredible episode with Joan Ryan as we discussed her book, Intangibles, Unlocking the Science and Soul of Team Chemistry. Joan's book is another crush must read and our interview with Joan was everything I hoped it would be and much, much more. You can find it in the Crush archives. And if you'd like to receive our weekly Crush Report email, simply go to our website, jeffkershell.com, click on the Learn with Jeff button, and grab one of the free downloads on nutrition strategies, injury prevention, or the Crush Sleep Log. You'll be automatically added to our email list. 
Each week, I'll be sharing links to the podcast and hooking you up with links to articles, videos, and research, keeping you on the cutting edge of sport performance and the athlete development world. Plus, you'll be the first to know about any events, webinars, or learning opportunities we're involved in. I hope to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance.